Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. Uh, you can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Hey, good morning. We are continuing on in our message series called Characters. We've been going through this for quite some time, and I'm having a blast. It's a lot of fun for me learning and discovering new things by simply asking three questions when we look at people from the Bible. We just want to know who they are, how do they connect with Jesus, and what do they have to do with you and me, right? Who are they, how do they connect with Jesus, and what do they have to do with you and me, okay? And today's character... It's a famous one, Samson. Samson. Now, uh, some of us know some things about Samson, whether you've read the Bible or not. There's just some things out there. There's been even movies about Samsons, right, out there. So let's just do this. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to ask you to tell me right here, right now, real time, uh, what do you know about Samson, all right? So what do you know about Samson? Go ahead, throw it out at me. Hair. Yeah, the thing about his hair. That's weird, right? It's weird. Like if he keeps his hair long, he's got the super strength. He gets it cut. He's a weakling. Like that's just weird, right? What else do we know about Samson? Anything else we know about Samson? Yeah, his eyeballs get taken out. Gross, right? That's just gross. Yeah. In fact, the story is really disturbing when you read his story from the book of Judges. It's really a strange story. In fact, uh, as you look at the story of uh, Samson in the book of Judges, you have to keep it in the context of the book of Judges for it to make any sense. Because when you look at his story, he's the worst. He is not a good character. In fact, it's really hard to find something good about him. In fact, his best is vague. At best, guys. His best is vague at best. There's a time where he's like the spirit of God rushes in on him and he goes out and annihilates a bunch of people and you're like, I guess that's supposed to be good, right? Eh? Because it's in the Bible, so there must be something good about this, but it's vague, guys, at best. So let's just look at the context of Judges and then we're going to dive into a section of his story uh, because I think that we identify with Samson far more than we'd like to admit when we look at his story. Now, guys out there, gentlemen, I'm talking to you. You know when you look in the mirror, you're definitely uh, uh, identifying with Samson, right? You put, strike the pose, you flex the muscles. You're like, yeah, I'm Samson-like, no problem. But I, I think as we uncover what the, what the book and the story of Judges is telling us, we might not want to identify with him quite as much as we think we should because he's the worst. So let me tell you what I mean by that. So the book of Judges is uh, during a time when after Moses has led the people out of Egypt, a land of captivity and, and slavery, to the edge of this land that was promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's occupied by other people. And Moses dies, and then Joshua takes over, and he leads them into the land, and they're to get rid of all the people that are there, uh, either chase them out or kill them or whatever. It's disturbing and weird, but they're supposed to do that, but they don't do it fully. Uh, and Joshua 
gives them the different parts of the land and things like that. And then Joshua dies and there's no other leader. And what happens is this cycle, this downward spiral in the book of Judges where uh, the people... Uh, they're doing okay, but then because of there's these Philistines and Canaanites in this land that they didn't get out of the land, well, they've got these gods that they're worshiping. And, oh, man, maybe we should worship those gods as well. And God hands them over to these other gods. You want to, you want to worship those other gods? Fine. I will give you what you want. And that uh, causes a downward spiral where now these people start ruling over them and they're oppressing them and life just gets to be awful. And then the Israelite people, they're like, oh God, we sinned against you. Uh, we come back to you. Uh, save us from this. And God raises up a judge. Uh, and a judge, sometimes we're, this is like weird. We're not talking about like a gavel and the white long hair type of thing. Is A judge is much more like a uh, a tribal chieftain, okay? So as this person that's strong and they're, they're a warrior and they're going to lead the people against their enemy. So God raises up a judge uh, to go and fight against the bad guys. And as long as the judge is alive, then the people are living in peace and they have rest from their enemies. As long as that judge is alive, the judge dies, the people start worshiping these other gods. God hands them over to them, uh, these other gods, and things get bad. And it, but it keeps getting worse each time. And why I say Samson is the worst, it, for two reasons. One, he's the last judge. So if it keeps getting worse and he's the last judge, he's the worst, right? He's the worst of all these judges. And there's no other judge after him. Uh, in fact, during his time of, of life and living, not once is there rest and peace for the people. The other judges, while they were alive, there was peace and rest, right? Not while Samson is a judge. And we're going to see why it's that way. But after Samson, the rest of Judges, last two chapters, they have this repeated line over them that there was no king in Israel and everyone did as they saw fit which kind of gives you this hope that, okay, there's no judge to rule, but maybe someday there's going to be a king that will come and bring peace and rest to this land because that's what the people need, right? So it's kind of forward-looking. But that hasn't happened with Samson. In fact, Samson's uh, life here, uh, as we're going to take a look at the story, this is kind of mid uh, story for him. Though some things have happened already. I strongly encourage you to read his full story. Read Judges, right? Just see how it keeps getting worse and worse. And then you get to Samson. You're like, yeah, he's the worst. But this story, this section of the story, it's going to be very revealing to uh, why he's the worst. And, and I want you to pay attention to something. There's a, there's a rule that governs his life. There's a law that he lives by. And I want to see if we can pick up on that law, that rule, because it's that law and that rule that I think we identify with. It's the same law and rule that we live our life by all too often. Okay? So I'm gonna, we're going to go into this story from uh, Judges chapter 15. Uh, so you can turn there now. If you've got the Bible, uh, the church app, you can pop that open, click on Notes, 
and then click on Samson, and you'll go right through the story here with other scriptures. Uh, if you've got a regular Bible, just pop it open, Judges chapter 15. Uh, you can follow along on the screen as well. But Judges chapter 15, again, like I said, this is a big part of his story has already been told. So some of it um, that we don't know about is he wanted a wife from the Philistines. He's an Israelite. They weren't supposed to marry any of these foreign people, so he demands to have a wife. Uh, he does. Bad things happen, uh, and he leaves, and now he's returning again, okay? So here we go. Judges chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him in. So let's just stop for a second right here. Um, this young goat thing is weird to us in our culture, but let me connect it for you, okay? Let's say uh, something has gone wrong. You've had a fight with your spouse or significant other. Guys, what do we bring? A young goat? Nope. Candy and flowers, right? Young goat, candy, flowers. Just think in that way. He's bringing a gift to her. He's trying to make things right, whatever. And her father is like, no, man, you're not coming in and doing this. But why? It's because he left. That's what it says here in verse 2. Verse 2 is the father-in-law speaking. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained. So I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, your, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. So right now we just have, hey, that didn't work out. I thought you were gone. I thought you just abandoned her and all that. I have to save face for my family and for her, right? She looks bad. I've got another plan, though. You know, she's taken care of. Let me take care of you. Here's, here's another daughter, right? What's Samson going to do here? He's not having any of it. Nope. You took away something that I wanted. Here's what, he, here's what he does. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for any everything I am going to do to you Philistines. So before, apparently, there might have been some open-ended blame there. But now, nope. I'm putting the blame on you. Everything I'm going to do is because of you. Now, listen. This is going to start unpacking or showing us the rule that governs his, his life, of his way of living. There's a law that he lives by, and it's a law that we live by all too often, okay? So pay attention to it. See if you can pick up on it as we continue through the story. Verse 4. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, He and he fastened a torch to... Uh, each pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this? The Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply, because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife, to, Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. This is just a beautiful story you want to read to your kids at night, right? It's horrible. It's a horrible story, right? It's absolutely horrible. But when we read children's books, we're like, yeah, they kind of left that out. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that in there. Right? But this is important to see what's happening here. Okay, I'm just going to lay it out for you first here. Samson doesn't get what he wants. He blames the Philistines for it, blames someone else, and he goes and does what? He burns all their income. Yep, wheat, olive groves, wine, vineyards, all that. Burns it all up. What do they do? They return in kind. All right, 
we're going to burn your family up, father-in-law and your, your wife, right? Burn them up. That seems fair, doesn't it? Well, this is, this is how they're living, though. This is, this is what they're living by. This is part of the rule that governs their life. It's the law that they live by. Let, let's keep unpacking it here because it gets more and more clear as we keep reading. So starting in verse, where did I, I lost my spot? Where am I? Okay, verse, uh, yeah, verse seven, okay? So this is now Samson's response, verse seven. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lahai. This, the men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? Right? Why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Etam. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. Are you hearing the rule that governs their life? Are you, are you seeing and picking up on the law that they live by? The law of the land is do to others what they have done to you, isn't it? Do to others what they have done to you. Now, we might not be tying foxes' tails together and setting vineyards ablaze, right? We might not be burning people at the stake and things like that. We're not invading maybe, you know, our neighbor's backyard and setting up camp to attack them. We might not be doing that, but let's be honest. If we can be really honest, that is the rule that we live by. We do to others what they do to us. Anybody that has kids, that that have more than one kid, you see it happening all the time. That is the rule they live by. They did something to me, I'm going to do something back to them. Now, we take that into adulthood, don't we? Now, it might not be as simple as that. It, in fact, we feel justified in our actions, just like Samson. I'm not to blame. You're to blame for what I'm going to do to you because you started it. You've got a coworker that loves to place the blame on you for things not going well. And what do you do? What do you return? Well, you go and talk about them poorly behind their back. You want other people to see them in a bad light. You might even talk to your boss or your supervisor bad about them to get them on your side because of what they did to you. Maybe you have a family member or an ex-family member that is just mistreating you. They're doing harmful things to you. They're trying to get their own way. And what do you do? You return that in kind. Right? You, you try to get back at them. You do to others what they have done to you. And, and, and that's exactly what's happening here. 
in the story of Samson. Samson is doing what the Philistines do. Samson has become a Philistine. The very group of people, the very enemy that he was supposed to get out of the land. And as long as he was living, they would have peace and rest in that land. But instead, his own people from Judah come to him and say, the Philistines rule over us. God doesn't rule over them. Samson's not ruling over them. He's not being a judge. Guys, he's the worst, right? His best is vague at best because he's living like the Philistines. He's living by this law of the land of doing to others what they do to us. Now, the book of Judges, after Samson, there's no more judge, and they look forward to this king that would come to rule over them and bring peace and rest instead of everybody just doing what they saw fit. Well, we, we know about a king that comes that offers us another rule to govern our lives, another, another law to live by, don't we? And it's the, this law that actually puts an end to the law we normally live by. Instead of doing to others what, we, what they've done to us, Jesus says in Luke 6.31, to do to others as we would like them to do to us. Do to others what we would like them to do to us. So that the person that's ta- blaming you for things in your, at your work, well, how, how would you want to be treated in that sense? What would you like them to do? Then you treat them that same way. That, that family member or ex-family member that's doing harsh things to you and trying to take advantage of you, what, what would you like them to do? What would you like them to do? How would you like to be treated in that situation? Right? That's what Jesus is saying here. He's giving us a, a new way to live that puts an end to that old way of living. Instead of doing to others what they've done to us, we do to others what we would like them to do to us. Because there's two different choices here. One is with Samson, the way in which he lives his life. In fact, Samson's life, the way he lived it, actually brought death. It's, it's packed in the closing sentences of his life. He finally goes and is captured Right? This is the famous part of the story that we know. But I want to give you, give you a, a glimpse at it in a new way because it's not a good moment in his life. It's not a good thing happening. We want it to be. Right? We want to see some glimmer of hope that he's returned to God, but listen to what happens and see it in the whole context of judges of God handing the people over to what they want and how that works out for them. Here's what it is for Samson. Judges chapter 16, starting verse 28. This is the closing part of his life. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, and we're like, yay, right? Finally, he's going to turn to God, and and there's going to be repentance. And so then we've got this whole frame, like, then, then everything that goes on here, that's good, right? This is, this is what's going to be happening. This is a good thing. Right, we're trying to make some good out of it. Hold on, okay? 
Hold on and see what he's actually praying for. Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me return peace and rest to the land and the people around me. Is that what he said? Pay attention to what he's saying here, right? This reveals to us what his whole life is all about. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. The Philistines took my eyes, strengthened me one more time so I can retaliate and get vengeance on them. Let me do to them what they have done to me. Does that bring life? Or does it bring death? Well, let's take a look. All right, verse 29. Then Samson put his hands on the center of the two pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with these Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. That is not a good thing. Right? That is not a praiseworthy thing. His, his life brought death, and his death brought more death. So go ahead. You pray to God. He's prayed to God, just be on my side this one more time. Let me get vengeance. Give me the strength to, to die with these. And God says, I will hand you over to that. You want to live by this rule to govern your life, to do to others that they've done to you, I'm going to hand you over to that. You want to live your life doing to others what they've done to you? I'm going to let that happen. I'll give you what you want. And that brings death. Do you see it now? He's the worst. (laughs) But do you see a little bit of yourself in him? I do. I see a little bit of myself in him. When I want to get my own way, when someone does something to me that I don't like, I just want to get back at them. And I even try to justify that in my own thinking. I can't be blamed for this. You're blamed for what I'm about to do. But Jesus gives us a different way. If Samson's life brings death, Jesus' death brings life. Jesus' death brings life. If we can die to our wanting to get back at someone, dying to that retaliation and vengeance, if we can die to doing to them what they've done to us, we get to experience life by doing to them what we'd like them to do to us. And there's a huge change that happens not only in you, but in your whole environment in which you live. Because Jesus' death brings life. Here's how the Apostle Paul wrote about it in Romans 5, chapter 1. He says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by trusting in Jesus' rule, his law to live by, that we trust that if we live in a way that does to others what we'd like them to do to us, 
right? If we live that way, it takes a lot of trust to do that because what if they might get back at us? If we do that, we're made right in God's sight by trusting in that. We, what, what happens? We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. He has lived out that example. And I know what you're thinking right now, thinking like, you know what? The world I live in is all about doing to others what they've done to you and people justifying their actions for that and blaming one another. And if I live this life of doing to others what I would like them to do to me, I'm going to get eaten alive. I'm going to be taken advantage of. I'm going to be walked over. It could lead to my death. Yup, that's true because it happened to Jesus, right? He lived it out exactly that way and it killed them. How does he want others to treat him? Well, that evil and that vengeance, they took him out, didn't they? But he trusted and was raised to new life. He got to experience God's life. And that's the hope here. What happens when you trust Jesus' law, his rule to govern your life, to say, you know what, I'm going to put a stop to this whole doing to others what they're doing to me, and I'm going to do to them what I would like them to do to me. Do you know what happens when you live that way? Well, let me have Apostle Paul tell you again in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. So in other words, pay attention. Right? These are important words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. You get to experience that love and peace of God, that rest even when everything else is restless around you because everyone's fighting over everyone and they're doing to others that they have done to them, you can put a stop and say, you know what, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do to others what, they have, what I'd like them to do to me. It changes everything. That coworker, that coworker that throws you under the bus and takes, gives you the blame for everything, what would you like them to do to you, Right? If you lived in that way, you get to grow to maturity. You get to live in harmony and peace. You get to have the God of love and peace with you. You get to change your environment. That, that family member or ex-family member is doing harsh things to you, vindictive things to you, trying to take things from you. What happens when you choose to live the way Jesus does, dying to the old way of living and bringing life into it? Yeah, you get to grow to maturity. You get to be joyful. You get to speak encouraging things. You, you actually experience God, the God of love and peace that's with you. And it changes everything around you. So I encourage you to choose the death that leads to life. I encourage you to choose life. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and I mean that in every sense of the word, Lord Jesus Christ, you are our king, and we live in your kingdom. We choose to be a part of your kingdom. We choose to die to ourselves, die to our old way of living, and choose to live your law, to do to others what we would like them to do to us, even at the cost of our own life, so that we can truly experience the God of love and peace that is always with us. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecove.com. Thanks for listening.